has me quivering in my boots this morning because we have a very dear friend. His name is Tom. He currently resides in the UK and he wrote in and said, I listened to your podcast, but why does Steph not answer more questions? And Matt Corker being Matt Corker said, that's a great question. That is a great idea. How about you come on and record a podcast and you can ask Steph anything? So, Tom, welcome to the show where you have the mic. (laughs) Thanks, Steph. Yeah, I'm really excited to be able to guest host the podcast today. And welcome, I guess, to the other side of the mic for you. So you kind of alluded to it. But yeah, the reason for this episode, I was listening to, there's been a series of inspiring female leaders. And there was an episode a little while ago where you and Matt were riffing and talking about how you're a question asker. And I thought, but no one ever asks Steph the questions or we hear little nuggets of, of awesomeness when you're hosting, but I thought someone should, should ask the questions of you. And of course I send the one line email and in true corker fashion, you guys put me to the challenge and I couldn't really say no. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, you and I met, I think a couple years ago at the B78 HPR California camp and two memories of that camp for me were us sharing the swim lane when it was, torrentially raining and us kind of looking at each other and being like, oh, oh yeah, we're both swimmers. This is, this is awesome. We're getting to swim with some fast people. And then one of the rides back where I completely bonked and I was just like telling everyone just go and you held back and paced me home because I had, you said to me on the ride, I remember, do you even know where you're going? And I said, no. And you're like, yeah, I definitely need to stay with you and get you home. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Shit, Since I hope then, I wasn't a total jerk. I, I was no, no, no. I was bringing you home. <laughs> yeah, you were, you were. Since then, we've been on various start lines or cheering each other on, doing double spin sessions and method, things like that. So yeah, it's good to be able to chat and reconnect. Can I jump in? I, I know I'm not supposed to. Yeah. I'm already doing this. One of the fondest memories I have from that training camp that you're speaking of is that we were out for dinner one night. I don't know if you'll even remember this. And I, I was this. talking about how one of my greatest fears were not fears, just something I really suck at was booking travel. And you convinced me that there are easier ways and that it doesn't need to take up as much time. And admittedly, even though this makes me feel old, you were like, why don't you use Google Flights? And <laughs> Ever since, every time I book a, a trip, I always think of you. Um, <laughs> the ease to which you reminded me that not all things that feel time-consuming need to be so time-consuming. So, Hashtag consulting life, I guess, is <laughs> where I've learned things. So, okay, no more Steph asking Tom questions or giving Andrew right. anecdotes. Okay, okay, okay. So you've got the Corker Collective. You've got B78. You're the champion of finish lines. You're pursuing your own start lines and finish lines. So outside of that, like what's going on? What's keeping you busy these days? <laughs> what kind of loaded question is that? Isn't that enough? <laughs> I'm so Maybe busy. it is. What's on your schedule this week that's exciting? Oh, that's a great question. Well, what I would want to say, so to answer your first question, what is else is keeping me busy is really simple and what might seem like mundane things. I really love 
cooking and making things in the kitchen that involve hidden vegetables. It's one of my favorite things to do. And when I have time to be cooking or baking something, I know that my life is in balance. And mm-hmm. if I'm not doing that, then it definitely feels out of balance. If I don't have lunch ready for the next day, I feel like I'm going a little bit crazy. And it just feels really important to me. So that it's, it's exciting when I get to be creative and put things in jars and call it lunch. <laughs> it's also fall here in Vancouver. And I get really excited about the fall because I like to knit. But the problem is that I really only know two stitches, knit and purl. And I do it until I have carpal tunnel syndrome and I can't stop and I can't go to sleep. So it gets me really excited. However, I'm very obsessive about it. So nice. those are okay. two things that are happening. and the second question was what's going on this week and this week I actually met a new acupuncturist and I had an appointment last night with a new acupuncture in Vancouver and it was a really awesome session and I think body work and taking care of our bodies is super important and when I find a healer that feels like it really jives I'm really grateful so so cooking are you a meal planner are you a Sunday night this is what's going to happen for the week or are you a day before are you are you a daily grocery shopper okay I am not a meal planner and I'm definitely not a daily grocery shopper I am I that gives me anxiety I (laughs) don't know how people do it the idea of going to a grocery store every day feels like a lot to me and I'm just like there must be a more efficient way to do this I really like having groceries on the weekend and feeling set up for the week ahead and I feel rather dare I say simplistic I wouldn't call it boring it works for me I love going to the grocery store and buying a lot of the same things often and I usually eat the same things for breakfast every day and some combination of lunch is dinner leftovers and etc you're you're talking my language (laughs) I have I have the same breakfast every day (laughs) but actually one of the anecdotes of moving over here to the UK versus Canada is grocery shopping there are small grocery shops like everywhere in London. And so we find we're grocery shopping much smaller amounts, but multiple mm. times a week, just because it's like right out, right outside the bus stop or right outside the tube station, which I've, I really like, cause then I don't have to lug a whole bunch of stuff home um, yeah. once a week. When I'm in Europe, I think it's great as well. And if my life were perhaps set up a little bit differently here in Vancouver, maybe that would be easier. I mean, I think it's, it's like a very romantic idea to me. It sounds very lovely and wonderful. And the reality of like carrying a swim bag to the office with my laptop and meals for the day and then coming home and getting in another workout and then heading back out to get groceries or put them on my bike. Like it just, I'm like, these are logistics that just don't feel feasible. And so that doesn't make me feel wonderful. Okay. So I want to shift gears a bit and talk about the corporate collective. Cool. The company that you and Matt run. So it's been around for what, five years? Five years. Yeah. And so how does it, how do you think it compares? How does the Corker Collective now compare to what your vision was for it five years ago? Whoa, that's a great question. It's crazy. As you say five years, I realize that soon it will be one of the longest 10 years I've been at an organization. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. Well, you know, the first year I started, my goal was to have a business that was thriving that my brother would come and join me at. Right. So that was certainly vision number one. And once he joined, we set out on creating a 10 year vision for the company. And what's really crazy is that as we get to year five together and sort of halfway to this 10 year vision, 
there are lots of things that we could check off the list. You know, we wanted an office space with a really big table that felt like a family dinner table. One of the goals was that Matt would have kids and we would reinvent, you know, working parents and Matt's on that journey. You know, the business continues to grow and that's really exciting. We wanted team members that were aligned and that felt really ambitious because, you know, caring about your health and well-being is really hard to put on a job description at times. And I feel really lucky that we've been able to work with people that have been so incredibly aligned. I think what doesn't land on the vision is are the tough times and, you know, you don't wish for things to be hard and sometimes you don't even really know how how they'll turn out or what they look like. And it would be remiss of me to say that it's always been easy because it hasn't. And so I think when starting, you have a bit of a fear of, will it always be so great? And you don't know what the the tough times or the dark days will look like. And I think it's been fun to cross things off of a vision list. And I think it's, you know, it's kept us really honest of, you know, how you, how you want to make it through on, on tough times too. And I always say running a business is the hardest way to pay your rent and it's the most fulfilling and I would do it no other way. Yeah, totally. And I didn't share my questions beforehand, but you're like jumping like six questions ahead, which is oh. amazing. <laughs> well, we're going to, we'll, we'll come back to some of my earlier questions, but let's go into adversity and challenge because one of the things that I think about when I think of you is like, unbelievable positivity and always taking on challenges and supporting other people in getting to their start lines and their finish lines. And I know that it can't always be that easy and it isn't always that easy to be as positive as you are. So I want to know, like, what are your strategies when you come up against challenges and adversity, whether it's in the workplace or in the middle of an Ironman or something else? Yeah, you know what I would say is, and maybe just because you're on the other side of the mic, you'll get the most vulnerable answers that the podcast has heard. It hasn't been easy. And I would love to think that I'm a positive person because I really do believe that there's a rainbow behind every storm cloud. But I'll tell you, it's a lot easier to be positive and to remain positive when you're on top and when you're winning and when things feel like, and I mean that winning like figuratively or literally. And the responsibility of running a company feels enormous. And while I totally choose it, it can be hard because you look around and you're like, where are the other cheerleaders? Like, you know, the, the law of gravity to pull us down to be mediocre or to settle or to not create something new are really real. And I think that I have, I have struggled with how do I fit it all in and how, you know, I feel really different. I don't feel like everyone else. And while I would love to, you know, be a, you know, an excellent athlete, I'm not, (laughs) I'm I'm a try hard. I'm someone who really loves it. But I think, you know, the more you end up racing with faster people, the more you realize how mediocre or normal I am. And then you have a business and it's, I mean, one of my greatest strategies has just been to not compare to Mm. other athletes, to other businesses, and to have a really clear focus doing things that feel good and doing things that, that you want to do, I think. So doing good work in the world feels good. So do more of that. It doesn't matter if you're fifth in line. It doesn't matter if there's seven other people doing it first. How do we do it the corporate way? And how do we, you know, be rather relentless on the pursuit? So 
To answer your question, I don't know that I have been excellent or impeccable at remaining positive, but I do think I've remained relentless on the pursuit to find the positive. And I think yeah. that actually has been my secret. That's awesome. Yeah. And no one can be positive all the time. We hear from you on the podcast a lot of positivity. And when I interact with you, I was like, I know there's, it can't always be that easy. I try to be a positive person, but I know that my partner and my friends will tell me that I come that I'm grumpy more often than not, but I try to be positive. But yeah, that's awesome just to hear your perspective on that. And that really what you're saying is you're playing to your strengths and to heck with what other people are doing. You're going to do it your way. And it seems to have worked out in most cases when you look at it from someone on the outside. Well, thank you. It's really flattering to hear you say that. It's a huge compliment and it makes me feel good to know that we're doing it. And not that I think our way is better. I just think our way is our way. And actually at the end of the day, it's like, just stay in your lane. If you stay in your lane, you'll go as fast or as slow as you can go in your lane. Yeah. So I guess one of the ways you guys have been doing it differently or a new thing that you've just launched, the, the now what? Yeah. You just had the first session recently. Yeah. What did you learn from that? Oh, gosh. Well, I wanted to create the now what because as a recruiter, I felt like I spent my days hearing people say, I don't know what I want next. Or they, you know, talk to a bunch of people who've been fired. They have lost their heart and soul and confidence and think that I've been fired. Who will ever want to talk to me again? And I was like, Mm -hmm so many people, we all want to hear from you. And how do you get clear on what your story and your message is? And so often people are like, well, here's what I've done. Hire me. And it's like, Mm -hmm. oh gosh, we need to like help connect these dots. And what do you really want to do? And what do you not want to do? And how do you not just keep doing what you've always done if that's not what you really want to do? And really the now what was born after a lot of conversations and a little bit of frustration from me as a recruiter that says, people need help in articulating these things and they don't know how to do it. And I can't help everyone on this process from I feel lost to how do we find you a new job? So I did some work with Seth Godin's Alt MBA. Admittedly, I did not finish that program. So don't ask me about it. But (laughs) in that I learned that there is a lot of power in going fast And we love to take our time and to ruminate and just take some more time. And the reality is that when asked the right questions under the right setting, there are things that can in fact move very quickly. And we can move from a certain place of stuck to a place of speed with great ease. And that was my goal was how do we create a seven day course that should take 20 to 30 minutes every day and move you from feeling stuck into feeling like things are really totally possible and set you up so that you can start talking to recruiters in a powerful way to help you. Mm -hmm. And so cohort one went off and I think we're actually going to continue it. The next cohort starts November 12th and we might do it the first or second week of every month and just keep it rolling because there seems to be an appetite and it's all done online. And then we have one um, group session after the course is done. And you mentioned about going fast and getting like just to keep things moving with the Seth Golden Alt MBA. Do you think from what you've seen maybe in the first cohort or in other aspects, do different personality types react differently to that? Because like, I know that I really like to take my time with things and like plan everything out. Google flights, I will look at every single option to find the best option. Whereas some people that might be easy to go through a seven day thing and bang, 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 figure Mm -hmm. it out. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I am going to totally take this from like the school of Seth Godin because I think the longer we wait, the reality is, I mean, even in creating the course, like, I mean, step further, the reason I love start lines is because there's a definitive launch time. The Mm -hmm. gun goes when the gun goes. I had to create a start line for the now what? I called it my birthday. I said I wanted it to be done on my birthday. I think the need for speed comes from actually nothing to do with speed. And it comes from removing the roadblocks that hold us back. And whether that's perfectionism, whether that's, you know, the fear of a better option, whether it's fear, period, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, whatever it is, it's like, well, if you, if you removed fear, would you make a decision today? And if you would, then make the decision. And for me, I know that it was about being in the practice of that. And so how can I be in the practice of, of figuring it out and remembering that we're all beginners and we're all like, if we're only doing things we know how to do over and over, it's really boring. And so I was like, well, what if it's not perfect? And how do I just keep iterating and keep going? And, you know, as an entrepreneur, just as a person, I mean, it's hard to do new things and it's hard to not know what you're doing and to stumble and for things to take longer. And the more I put myself in those situations, I have more empathy for what it feels like to be human. That's for sure. And I think that's really cool to learn firsthand. And it's also neat to recognize, you know, this summer I, I baked 4,000 cookies for the Grand Fondo and every hundred cookies, it got easier and I found a new way. And I was like, this is really neat. And I want to be able to have those stories to share of doing hard things, be it making cookies or launching a course or starting a business or doing an Ironman to come from doing and not just talking about. And I get really frustrated when people talk about doing hard things, but don't actually ever do them. They just talk about doing them. So I'm like, well, start doing them and do it faster. And why wait? You're, you know, 4,000 cookies aren't going to bake themselves. So go. And then you get to experience it on the other side. The flight will be there. Book the flight. Yeah, that's true. That's you true. taught me that. You yeah. taught me that. <laughs> I think that I think that cookie story is just such a good story because it re- you can relate it to everything. I took on a huge challenge and it took time, but going through each step, you got faster and you got better and improved. And now, now look for next year. It's only going to take you half as much time if you do it again. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh my word! My heart just elevated. I do not know if I can make it that many again. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not, not committing you to the same challenge again, again next year. <laughs> um, so, coming to the end of 2019, have you started to think about 2020 goals? Mm. Gosh, it's such a good question. You know, I said I wasn't going to think about them until the beginning of December because I had a couple of 2019 goals that I was really hoping to check off the bucket. And whether or not I am able to do that or not, I'm not sure, but I'm committing Mm -hmm. to running to the end of November and ticking as best off as I can um, what these 2019 goals are. And I've started to dream about 2020. Something tells me it might be a a radically different year so yeah. who knows what that will look like well i'm looking forward to you know how like 10 years ago everyone had every company had vision 2020 their 2020 vision yeah. perfect eyesight I'm, I'm looking forward to the new catchphrases for what it's, what's going to come after 2020 yeah um, it's not going to be as catchy <laughs> catchy and flashy so true okay so we're getting to the time we're going to wrap i've got like two more questions i guess 
So if you were in charge of everything in the world, if you could recommend or mandate that everyone do one thing differently than we do, than they do today, what would it be? That is a really, really good question. Or multiple things, if you've got multiple things on your mind. What could we all do? Sure. So that's what you're saying? Yeah. A few things I'm really passionate about right now. Well, one thing that I've been passionate about for a very long time is eradicating McDonald's. And I feel really passionately that it just doesn't serve anyone and I would love for it to be gone. I am understanding more that there is a social status, social place that people need access to that. And maybe it's not so bad, but it actually stems from a, I just wish people nourish their bodies with food that fueled them. And so um, the incorrect assumption that a Beyond Burger is better than a, cheeseburger yes i love that beyond burgers are in fast food it's still fast food and i would love that not to be the case i recently received a commuter bike and it's changed my life and i really wish we could all drive less because i have now witnessed the rage between commuters and cars and i have paid thousands of dollars in parking tickets to Vancouver (laughs) and I just think paying for parking tickets has not served me it has not brought me any joy rage between cars and cyclists is a shame and Mm -hmm. I think we'd all be happier if we were on a bike so that might be super privileged of me to say but I would love if we drove less so those are two things that I feel at least passionately about on this side of the world awesome okay before we wrap with the final question I just want to say thank you for being you. I love how unapologetically you and how unapologetically positive you are, even if it's not always positive in your realm, in, inside your head. I think that like the tribe that you've assembled over the past couple of years in BC and now across the world is fantastic. I always love hearing about kind of what you're up to and what the Cork Collective's up to and seeing pictures of start lines and cheerleaders and iron tribes. and in case you don't hear it enough, maybe I should be more vocal in celebrating my friends, you and my friends' wins. Um, but I think it's amazing, kind of all the stuff you've accomplished over the past couple of years. Thank you. Owning your own business, dozens and dozens of Ironmans. You're pretty awesome. You're really kind. I'll always pick you up on the side of the road in LA and I'll always send you flights. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last question. What's making your heart beat faster this week? What is making my heart beat faster? I will tell you that I have had a nagging foot injury and I was really excited to run a marathon in December and I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. So what's making my heart beat faster is reevaluating how I will spend the next, you know, eight weeks of 2019 sweating and healing my body, but hopefully getting strong for some juicy adventures in 2020. Nice. Yeah. Now I get to ask you, what's making your heart beat faster? Um, well, for today, it's been this podcast because I've never done anything like this before. So that was, the, love it. that was the nerve wracking thing for today. And the, but right now, exploring, I brought a bike back from Canada in September. I lasted a whole year without a bike in London. And I'm really excited to get back on the road and explore. And whether that's biking and then running, we're lining up what races we're going to do this year. And I was telling you before we jumped on running and signing up for long races has made an awesome way to learn London and explore areas we definitely wouldn't have gone to. So 
we're just getting that lined up and get back into training and explore some new areas. So I love it. I'm so glad you reached out. Thank you so much for listening on the other side. I miss you at Method and in Vancouver. And it's an honor to have friends around the world that you get to have these conversations with. So thank you for preparing questions and asking questions. And hey, here's an uncorked featuring Tom. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks, Seth. Love it.